The Grandmother Stories Seeking Light in Dark Times Hello, I'm Katherine Matheson. Writer, grandmother, crone, aspiring wise woman. I've walked this earth through six decades, and even the fools among us can see the situation in this world that our children will inherit is dire. This podcast is for my grandchildren to share my deepest secrets, the lessons I've learned, and the brilliant pieces of incredible joy I've managed to find, even in my darkest hours. I'm sending this out to all of you, dear grandchildren, because I know you have come into this life with a purpose, just like every single child on the planet today. It's easy to forget sometimes that your voice, your gifts, your insights, and your presence in the world matters. The world needs your light because we're all seeking light in dark times. Episode 4 Your Sacred Fire and how to open doorways to other dimensions. The heat and light of the stars and the sun also exists in the core of the earth and in every layer of the earth except the outer layer that we live on, which is known as the crust. Now, the crust of the earth is incredibly thin. Everything we call home, the land and the mountains and the oceans, All of it exists on a layer that ranges from 5 to 70 kilometers deep, and it makes up only 1% of the planet. The other three layers, the mantle, the outer core, the inner core, are almost 7,000 kilometers deep. And from the bottom of the Earth's crust to the inner core of the Earth, we move through heated rock in the mantle, hot liquid metal in the outer core, and even hotter solid metal in the inner core. We're talking about thousands of degrees Celsius here, ranging from 4,000 to 6,000 degrees the deeper you go. And the sun. Well, now we're talking about millions of degrees Celsius at the center of the sun, but the temperature on the surface of the sun is about 5,500 degrees Celsius, which amazingly, is about the same temperature as the inner core of our Earth. And then there's lightning. Did you know, dear grandchildren, that lightning is hotter than either the surface of the sun or the Earth's inner core, up to five times hotter? Lightning burns at an incredible 25,000 degrees Celsius. Consider for a moment how much the world's crust depends upon these sources of heat. The world's population lives on this narrow ribbon of land that covers a vast, burning interior. Basically, 99% of the planet we live on is burning. Add to this the amount of heat continuously supplied to the Earth from the Sun, whose energy is measured in watts, like the light bulbs in your house. While most household light bulbs will give you 40 to 80 watts of light whenever you turn them on, The sun is continuously sending trillions of watts of energy to the earth. And all this fire, the fire inside the earth and the fire of the sun, 
is like the engine that keeps the world turning. It is the energy that allows plants and trees and animals and birds and human beings, everything, to live and to grow. Fire is an essential element that generates the energy that drives the universe. What if all this fire, all this burning, is more than just the physical existence of the flames you see or the immense heat generated at the center of the earth or on the surface of the sun? What if this kind of fire, the kind of fire that warms planets and hearths and people and provides a light source in the darkness, has another form beyond the physical? Now, the ancients knew of a second kind of fire, something that they called the sacred fire. And in knowing that fire can be a portal through which other dimensions can be glimpsed. More than this, sacred fire can be a doorway through which the ancients could sometimes travel when the conditions were right. As humans born to this earth, there was a time in the long, long ago when we all knew that we all carry a small part of the sacred fire with us all the time. In this long ago time, we understood there are two kinds of fire and we were fully aware of the sacred fire that exists in our bellies, in our hearts and in our souls. Imagine a world in that long, long ago, long before the world that exists now. Imagine there were schools where wise old ones taught the young ones all they needed to know about fire, both physical and sacred. Students were taught that the people of the fire were among the most ancient of all peoples in the beautiful tapestry of being that they simply called the pattern. The people of the fire glowed in the center of the hottest parts of the pattern, connecting flame with ember, and winnowing ash from spark. The people of the fire knew the paths of the furthest inner parts of the pattern, and they did not forget to close those parts of the pattern that had need of ending. The people of the fire are the pattern finishers, the pattern renewers, and the pattern cleaners. Students were ready to move to the next level when they could see a different realm in a hearth fire or if they could connect with their own sacred fire to bring forward a story from one of the fire people. Once, an ancestor named Dervla told me about the fire magic that saved her people. She is of the Tuatha the ancient ones who once ruled Ireland, the ones who had to withdraw elsewhere when their world was invaded. This is a story about the beginnings that follow endings, dear grandchildren. It's about the spark you hold and its importance in your life. Now, Dervla is a keeper of the sacred fire, a holder of the sacred fire bowl. She lived in another millennium, in a lifetime that happened so long ago that her people hold memories of the people of the fire, the ones who were more flame than human, the ones who traveled all the inner pathways of renewal. As a keeper of the sacred fire for her people, Dervla and her husband Lorcan were in continual contact with many beings, including those known as star cousins, those who lived on planets and other star systems, and those who lived in other dimensions. 
In those days, the stone circles and the great cairns of Ireland were part of a beautiful network of communication and connection with the star cousins. Ceremonies and rituals were conducted to continue the bonds of friendship and even kinship across the many realms and between the many galaxies. One particular ceremony that Dervla and her people were taught by their star cousins was called the Last Call. It was considered a relic, an ancient idea, really, something that should never be needed. It was meant never to be used, except as a remedy, if there ever arose a time when all her people faced a dire and urgent need. But one day, there was need. Ireland was being invaded, and the two a day were being forced out. As they fought to defend themselves, a decision was made to send out the last call using the ancient ceremony. In the first part of the ceremony, Dervla and Lorcan raced up the mountain to light the beacon fire. Now they see other beacon fires springing up on high points across the land as far as they can see as they stand there still panting from their long, hard climb. This is the signal that all to a day have been told about and that they have been waiting for, the signal that the ending of their current world is beginning. Most of the men are already involved in the battle that is raging in the valley below. The rest of their people are waiting in the other valley on the other side of this mountain. Dervla pulls her traveling firebowl from a pouch strapped to her body. They have run to this place together to light this beacon fire before he goes to battle because they both have a part to play here to ensure the success of the ceremony. The traveling fire bowl is a small clay container and it is filled with dry peat and wood shavings. Dervla takes some of the fuel and the flame from the beacon fire and places it within the bowl and then she holds it out to him. Together, they will say the necessary words over the flames that spring to life in the bowl. Some of these words will be repeated later by Dervla in the stone circle. When they're finished, she covers the bowl, then carefully tucks it away. She pulls some of the energy from the flame in the fire bowl into her body, using an ancient technique she has mastered through years of training, so that the embers in the bowl will smolder but not go out while she runs with it to her next destination. She will use this inner heat to rekindle the flame when it is needed. The increased heat of her body makes them both sweat more, even more than they were sweating before because of the heat of the beacon fire itself and the exertion of their climb. It is time to go. He hugs her. She holds on tight for a long moment and then breaks free. Lorcan will run down the far side of the mountain and to battle, and she will return to the stone circle. They stare at each other, holding on to this last moment. Then they smile, speaking the light-hearted goodbyes they have agreed upon. Watch your step, he said. That loose rock halfway down will trip you again if you're not watching, and this would be the time you would forget to watch for it. Try to make some friends, she answered. Then they both turn and run for all they are worth, away from each other. Even as the battle rages in the next valley, they know they have lost the struggle. 
All they can do now is follow the plan they have made, work with the energies they have built, and do what they can to save what it is possible to save. The energies are set now, and the last ingredient is the flame from the beacon fire Dervla has brought down from the mountain. She waits at the entrance to the circle, while her sisters complete the preparations and call on the ancestors and the sacred energies of the land for their blessings and support. Many beings, including many star cousins, are around them. They know they are witnessing the ending of days for the Tua Day, and many doors will open while many more will be shut before this day is over. The chanting and the singing dies away. All eyes, inside and outside the circle, turn to Dervla. She loosens her pouch and takes it off. She walks forward to the stone table set at the center of the circle. She places the pouch on the stone table and withdraws the small fire bowl. She fans the embers in it with her breath, and then, drawing on the fire energy she's holding in her body, she breathes it into the bowl, and keeps breathing it until the flames are again ignited. She moves to the large stone bowl, holding hawthorn and hazel twigs, blessed and set in the pattern of the goddess. Dervla places the contents of the small clay container onto the twigs in the large stone bowl, and then she lays the now empty smaller bowl to one side. In the flames that catch in the large stone bowl, in the flames that leap up at her, she sees the doom of her people, the defeat of their armies, and the lament of the land as it begins to reverberate with the cry of its own sorrow. She raises her arms. She repeats the powerful words she and Lorcan had said together on the mountain. As she speaks them this time, a great groan can be heard coming from the earth below their feet. A dark cloud gathers above their heads, and the flames in the bowl now burn bright blue. I call on all things sacred to each and every two a day to be taken now into this new land prepared just for us and waiting for our arrival. She lowers her arms and then turns to look into the eyes of each one present. There are many, many beings here. There will always be a place in our land for friends and allies of the tribes of light. You are all welcome to come with us now or to travel the pathways you have helped us build to visit us when you will because from this day forward, you will no longer find us here. She turns to the elder, their leader, the oldest of them all. It is on your word this will be done, says Dervla. The leader bows, regal and solemn. When she opens her mouth, a long ululating cry issues forth. And as it begins to fade, the sisters take up the cry and they keep it going in waves. Dervla turns away from them for the last time and looks once more into the flames. Their heat and brilliance intensifies. She waits. A feeling of heat and of great dread and of great expectation comes upon everyone present, as if they are all burning too, and as brightly as the flames in the bowl which now reach up in a glowing pillar above Dervla's head 
the moment of transformation is here. She reads it in the flames. She feels it in the waves of her sister's keening and in the cresting wave of fire pouring through her body. It is time. Raising her arms once again, Dervla calls down lightning. A massive bolt of jagged sheet lightning engulfs her, splitting the sky and the earth and cleaving the bowl and the table in half. A rift is open, a ripple is generated, and a shockwave expands out across the land. And in that moment, they are transported, every man, every woman, and every child of the two a day, away from the land they love, and into its counterpart in another time and place. Everything in the new place is exactly as it had been in their former land, except that in the new place, there are no enemies. In the new place, there are only the two a day. They are not completely gone from this world. It is said the two a day have maintained the ancient roads that lead from our world to theirs. And when they visit this world, they bring their magic with them. They are now called the Fae, the Fairy, the Old Ones who live in the other world. If you believe that magic once existed in this world, or you long for the old ways to return, then the sacred fire that you hold within you, that fire that belongs only to you, the energy of your being is attuned to those energies. In the mundane daily routines of your life, you hold a growing light that is even now attuning itself to the shifting of timelines and dimensions and ways of being on the earth that are coming to pass, even as old paradigms fall away. Because even though there is no going back and the old days are forever gone, there are new days coming. Dear grandchildren, the door you must keep open is the one in your heart. If you can picture your heart filled with the fire of your own passion and remember that you stand between two immense energies of fire, the one in the center of the earth and the sun in the sky, then you have the building blocks you need to open the doors of multiple dimensions. These are the energies used by the ancients to move entire peoples into new dimensions, to open portals, to call down the lightning. You don't need to do any of those things, though. That's the magic of the past. If you are able to find your balance in life and then keep it, no matter what happens. If you can follow your passion and keep your intention focused on the highest good for all. And if you can connect the sacred fire in your heart with the sacred fire of the sun and the sacred fire of the inner core of the earth you will be able to learn how to open doors and to build pathways to take you anywhere you need to go. This is the magic of the future. This is how you direct the energies of your own sacred fire to create the life you wish to live. Because fire is an essential element that generates the energy that drives the universe. And while you are warmed and kept alive by the physical fire of the universe, you also hold a unique spark of the sacred fire of life, and you are here to grow this spark throughout your life. It is the one thing that you will take with you when you leave this lifetime, when you move into your next new beginning. 
Thank you for listening to Episode 4 of The Grandmother Stories. I'm Katherine Matheson, writer, grandmother, crone, aspiring wise woman. This podcast is for my grandchildren to share my deepest secrets, the lessons I've learned, and the brilliant pieces of incredible joy I've managed to find, even in my darkest hours. I'm sending this out to all of you, dear grandchildren, because I know you have come into this life with a purpose, just like every single child on the planet today. It's easy to forget sometimes that your voice, your gifts, your insights, and your presence in the world matters. The world needs your light because we are all seeking light in dark times.